This is an ABC podcast. Hey, just a heads up. Today's episode talks about domestic violence and sexual assault. Now, if that's too much for you, that's totally fine. Just skip the app. We've also got some details of some local support services in the show notes. In the past week, you might have noticed more people out marching around Newcastle than usual. Starting from November 25, there are 16 days of activism against gender-based violence worldwide. And this activism locally takes on many forms. There are marches through Gregson Park, art exhibitions in Hamilton, and candlelight vigils in Foreshore Park, featuring the Humming Song Community Choir. More people than ever are conscious of domestic violence, what it looks like, how pervasive it is, and how important it is to speak up and support victims. But how do we address the behaviour of offenders? This is the Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up. I'm Toby Hemmings, and today we're talking about domestic violence and how to break the cycle of offending. By protecting one victim, that is wonderful and that is important. But when we think of the trajectory of the future, if we can stop the violence of one offender, we're protecting all kinds of people. I actually grew up in Newcastle too, so I have that that background knowledge um, of a childhood here. Um, I definitely loved the beach when I was growing up and I actually lived in Maitland. So Maddie Lewis is a news reporter at ABC Newcastle. So you've been in Newcastle for the past three years. I want to start by asking how many domestic violence cases do you reckon that you've covered in that time? Oh my goodness. I don't, I don't know that I could put a number on it. Um, since actually coming back to Newcastle and, and working in news for the ABC, there's been oh, countless domestic violence incidents, but there are a few that stick out to me that I have specifically covered. There's probably three off the top of my head that I could tell you about. Gabriella Thompson, she was 27 years old and she was murdered by uh, the father of her child. And what the inquest found was that Tafari Walton stabbed Gabriella 16 times and it was just months after he was released from prison. This happened at their home in Glendale uh, while he was on parole. Neighbours heard the pair arguing the previous night before Miss Thompson's parents found their daughter dying. She was such a beautiful girl, like, she was so kind, she was very quiet. Emerald Wardle was uh, 18 years old and she was murdered at her home in Metford near Maitland, so quite close to my heart in terms of the location. I know exactly where this happened. It was in June 2020 and... Her boyfriend at the time who she was living with is the person that's been uh, sentenced over this. His name's Jordan Brody Miller. He was 21 years old and he's recently been sentenced to 20 years in jail with a non-parole period of 13 years. It really, really was really sudden and unexpected and just just gut-wrenching. It just broke my heart. She helped me out through tough times and was just always a kind and loving person with a bubbly personality. Mackenzie Anderson. Basically what happened was police were called to an apartment in Mayfield. Uh, This happened in March. 
after reports of an armed man breaking into a unit. Mm. And officers said that Mackenzie, 21 years old, was found with multiple stab wounds outside her home and she couldn't be saved. It was a horrendous scene, horrendous. There was also a child present at that location. Um, The child was located covered in blood, but thankfully that child is not injured. What's it like for you when you're in the courtroom and you're, you're covering this sort of stuff? How does it impact you as a reporter? Mm. It's interesting because people ask you all the time like how you deal with really bad things happening, hearing about awful situations, and there is a lot of it that you can become desensitised to because it's your job. But at the end of the day, you are a human and you do reflect on the things that you're covering, and particularly with domestic violence. It, uh, it sits with me for a bit. Some of these women are close to me in age, uh, and you can't help but put yourself in in their shoes. Uh, you're speaking with family, seeing how devastated they are. How can that not impact you? There's no end to the victims of domestic violence across Newcastle, or more broadly across Australia. The stories of victims are really important to tell, and there's still so much to be done to honour them and support them. But unfortunately... These victims don't exist in a vacuum. Perpetrators are out here committing these heinous acts. As a result, part of the puzzle of stopping or stemming domestic violence is understanding the mindset of perpetrators. It's very important. It's one very big piece of the puzzle that I don't think uh, is getting enough attention. And I certainly hadn't heard about these categories that the couple had come up with until I met them. My name is Dorothy Stuckey Halley, and I am the co-director and co-founder of the Family Peace Initiative. Dorothy and her husband Steve founded the Family Peace Initiative in Kansas after starting out in the 80s as social workers. I was running a domestic violence shelter starting in 86, 1986, and I ran that for a decade. And about... Five years into running the shelter, I realized when Tina walked into my office that I was speaking with the seventh victim from the same offender in that five-year time frame. And that really made me stop and think that while it is critical to continue to provide services to victims and children, We are never going to stop domestic violence through that work. We will protect the person that is before us as much as we can, but we won't stop it unless we go to the source, which meant that I had to change and take on a new challenge that I really, quite frankly, was not excited about taking on and start understanding those who are the domestic violence offenders. Through talking to victims and then eventually perpetrators themselves, Dorothy came up with uh, these three categories of motivations, which I found really fascinating. So Dorothy and Steve have these three categories of domestic violence offender, survival, entitlement-based, and the sadistic. The first one is survival. And basically there are two types within this motivation. Type one, they value the relationship 
and their message to their partner is, without you, I am nothing. These tend to be individuals who do not have a lot of social supports, definitely do not have perceived social supports. Most of them have had little positive feedback from family members, from people in their communities. And when they have latched on to this one individual, it's like this person means everything to me and I can't let her go. And then there is a type two, which values personal status. And their message is you contribute to my status, be perfect. They are all about image. They tend to be somewhat charismatic, tend to be somewhat narcissistic, and they have this image that they are trying to protect. They believe that having this person by their side enhances their image. So the idea of this person leaving them is in their mind, destroying their image. Entitlement-based, they value authority. Their message is, you are supposed to serve me. So, you know, it's what Steve said to me is... If I'm the man of the house, it's not like my partner is the, you know, the, the female of the house. It's like my partner is the maid, is the servant. It's not like I'm the king of the castle and she's my queen. It's I'm the king of the castle and she's my servant. You know, she's to do all the responsibilities. And that's the way they twist it in their minds. The third one is sadistic based. Now this is, this perpetrator values the pleasure of hurting and having total control their message to their partner is, you are my object to play with and to torture for pleasure, which is pretty confronting to hear yes. that someone could be behaving like that. The sadistic are chameleons. They very easily hide. They have for many years strategically um, done that. Um, most of them get into the relationship with the idea of destroying that person. And uh, they're all into torture and into um, destroying that person, mind, body, and soul. What's the benefit of using these categories to understand behavior? And how do we keep understanding this behavior from falling into justifying this behavior? I guess trying to understand their motives is definitely not coming up with an excuse for the behaviour. It's actually about helping the victim as much as it is helping the perpetrator. In terms of rehabilitation for the perpetrator and uh, ensuring that they don't offend again, absolutely, and that, uh, you know, they stop displaying this type of behaviour, you know how to address it and you understand... Uh, maybe the past traumas that they've gone through so that they can work through that to eventually, hopefully, become better citizens, a better partner. We are never going to uh, stop domestic violence simply through accountability. Accountability creates the parameters 
that we can then work with that individual, how we address um, and help them change their behaviors and really make transformative, long-lasting change. It takes them understanding themselves. Likewise, if we're really going to protect victims, if we're going to help them be able to come out of that abusive relationship and move on effectively, we really don't even know what we're protecting them against unless we understand motives. If we understand motives, we're going to know so much more about when they are going to be in the most highest level of danger and under what circumstances. And to some extent, Steve and Dorothy's model of understanding of domestic violence and their idea of restorative justice has had an impact. 85% of the graduates of their Family Peace Initiative program between 2015 and 2021 have subsequently not had police called on them for a domestic violence lethality assessment. There's a grain of salt in that data, but the hope is that perpetrators who undertake this program are learning and changing. Steve and Dorothy have been in Newcastle running workshops on their three typologies for everyone in the community who's interested. It's one of the events for the 16 Days of Activism. And interest more generally in trying to understand what motivates perpetrators is growing. Uh, The federal government announced earlier this month that it would launch a national research project to better understand domestic violence perpetrators. Yes, that's only happening right now and we don't have a lot of detail on how that will actually roll out. But hopefully it is an opportunity to better understand the motivations of perpetrators and to use people like Dorothy and Steve. Do you think that we're making progress? It seems like an odd thing to say when we're talking about this, but I have felt nothing but inspiration from people like Sarah Williams from What Were You Wearing, Joplin Higgins, a local lawyer who works in family violence, Dorothy and Steve from the Family Peace Initiative, knowing that there are people out there like them pushing the cause, I definitely have hope that we can do our best to try and end the cycle of domestic violence. There are great support services operating around the Hunter, from Got Your Back Sis to Jenny's Place. There's also a community who is sick and tired of having to mourn vibrant young women like Gabriella Thompson, like Emerald Wardle, like Mackenzie Anderson. And hopefully, there is more and more investment in changing the current situation across the board. I just want to take any chance to talk about this because if, if that's my role in all of this is to raise the issue of domestic violence and get it out there so people know who to turn to if they're in an awful situation or how to help, then that's what I want to do. The Newcastle Hunter Catch-Up is produced on Awabakal land, thanks to reporter Maddie Lewis. The show was presented and produced by me, Toby Hemmings. Bridget Murphy is our digital producer. Blythe Moore and Lucia Hill are our executive producers. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. We'll be back next week with even more stories from around Newcastle and the Hunter Valley. 
today's episode has raised any issues for you, call 1-800-RESPECT or you can reach Lifeline on 13 11 14. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.